Good morning and good afternoon, depending on where you at the time of recording. This is episode 131 of the Strickers on Podcast, and I'm with a good, great crew today. Kendrick, introduce yourself to everybody, man. You already know who it is. It's the smartest man on the podcast, as I always tell everybody. I'm giving, I'm coming here week to week to give y'all knowledge, to drop knowledge on y'all. Dropping the knowledge, man. Got to get some fair game. Johnny, introduce yourself to the people, man, to the fans. Hello, world. Just Johnny tapping in again, baby. Listen, I'm just an analyst, not an advocate. Just an analyst, all right? Let's go, birds. We here. Not an advocate with the Eagles jersey on. Listen, man, you are a proud Philadelphian. Proud Eagles, man. Can't take that from you. So, Greg, let's play it with you, man. Introduce yourself to the people out there, man. What's good, everybody? I mean, I'm going to channel my inner Deion Sanders. I, I, I like everybody <laughs> on this. I like everybody on this pod, but based on these topics, let's just say I'm going to take it personally. God bless. Y'all be safe tonight. Yes, man. And you know what? Let's just get right to it, man. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes, All right, man. Then. It's a lot to talk about. Strictly football today, man. We got to bring it to you. So listen, let's hey, talk hey, about... Hey, Kendrick, where I'm from, hey, Kendrick, where I'm from, when we around other adults, we take our hat and our glasses off. Very rude. <laughs> oh, no, Very you rude. didn't. Oh, my. My, 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 oh. Mama, That's how we do my it. mama told me to be myself at all times. Talk to him, Absolutely. talk to him, Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Colorado. Who was that coach? Bro, no, nobody knew that coach before that podcast. Like, are you serious, Colorado State? Are you serious? And y'all I mean, still lost. Did they even really pay attention to Colorado State, though? And y'all no, still I, lost. If, if you guys, listen, man, you guys, I hope whoever isn't a college fan, I hope you watched that game or even got just a glimpse of it, man, because that's one of those games that'll turn you into a college football fan. That was thoroughly entertaining. But we got to bring it back to the professional now, man. <laughs> we got to bring it back to the professional league, and we got to talk about a young quarterback. And his name is Justin. You guys can finish it. You guys know the rest. He's the quarterback for the <laughs> So he's the quarterback for the, for the Chicago Bears. And pretty much he made some pretty strong statements. And uh, it's pretty strong. You know, he made some trends. Uh, he basically talked about it on Wednesday night discussing the Chicago's offensive issues. And he pretty much said he felt robotic, you know, and he's not playing like myself. Uh, he, he He's not playing like himself. So after they lost to the Buccaneers in week two. So he did say that he was going to switch it up on Sunday. So we'll see if he can switch it up. But in regards to his comments, though, I just want to swing it to Kendrick. What's your thoughts about that, you know, for a young star quarterback? A talented quarterback, and he's expressing his discomfort in pretty much the system of the, the way the team has the offensive structure around it. Is it the team? Is it the coach? Is it the player himself? I don't know. Listen, I'm looking at first, I'm thinking it got to be a mixture of both, right? It got to be a mixture of, you know, coaching. And I'm thinking it's an Eagles situation because, you know, Jalen Hurts not playing well, but the mm-hmm. offensive coordinator and Jalen Hurts aren't making good decisions, aren't making good play calls overall. So I'm thinking it's that. However, Justin Fields might be on to something with that coaching because I don't know if y'all heard. I don't know if y'all heard, but you know, I'm pretty, I'm, I heard, I'm word on the street is head coach, their head coach and the defensive coordinator got the rate, got rated by the FBI. That's what I'm hearing. That's what I'm hearing out there. Three saying it was just a defensive coordinator buying here about the head coach. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, was, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, it was just a little bit of both. I don't know. Maybe I could be wrong. Maybe my sources was wrong. But I know for, this is what I was hearing. The streets talking. I'm not saying I'm confirming them. I'm just speaking on what I heard. That's all. But I'm just saying that might be, you know, they got some personal issues. When you got personal issues, you fighting for your life. You got deep. You fighting the FBI. I'm not going to be able to coach a, prom, a, a good game. I'm going to be honest. I wouldn't be able to coach a good game. And I know. I know for sure they can't coach a good game without it because you see what they've done. And for Justin Fields looking robotic, I mean, I mean, it does. He doesn't look comfortable. He doesn't look natural. If you saw him at Ohio State when he had elite a talent and they were actually calling good plays, he he was drafted because of what how he looked at in college. And I still feel like he has that game in him. I feel like he still has that potential to really. He's like. All that raw talent is going to waste because it's not it's not good coaching, I feel like. And I feel like you've given them weapons. You can give people weapons, right? You can give them weapons. You can you can you can 
create the team, but if you don't call plays that cater to his style, what's the point? You know, at the end of the day, you can do one. It's like you got to take one step at a time, and you like you building the team, building around him. Good, good, good. But if you're not gonna call plays to let him succeed, then you're missing that. Important. That's another step you're missing. That's an important step you're missing right there to get to a, a winning season. Like I just like we, for the Bears, you got to have something. Let's look at something positive. A winning season is positivity for them. So I just feel like. I'm saying I'm going to put it on the coaches, and I'm saying, yes, I really think he's, I, he does look robotic. He looks stiff. He doesn't look – nothing looks natural. And then, you know, then he's forced to run because, I mean, if your receiver's not getting separation, would you want me to throw in the coverage all the time? Like, you, it's like you – someone got to give. We got to call – we got to scheme up better. Like, don't – we got to – y'all got y'all might have to take the 49ers route. I mean, 49ers route – I mean, yeah, they throw the ball deep a little bit, but, I mean, it's a lot of dunk downs, a lot of five-yard passes. Let the people do their work. I feel like let's start that. Let's do something. Or let's let's, involve, let's let's be run first and go play action, you know? Let's do that then. That's fair. That's, some, that's a strong take. And you know what? And you know what, Johnny, before I swing it to you, I wanna, I'm going to touch on a little bit more of what he said. So this is what he said in quote. My goal this week is to say effort and go out there and play football like I know how to play football. And then, you know, he basically, you know, he's trying to say he wants to play off his instincts more so and rather than playing based on analytical data, numbers and stuff like that. So when he expressed that, I'm thinking, I was thinking, man, that's, you know, here comes the analytical versus, you know, basically what you see, you know, on the field. So it's always that argument in terms of that. Just what's your thoughts on that, you know, in that particular comment? And what do you think he should do going into Sunday? Rather, is he able to play off of those instincts and just say effort? Or do you think he should kind of find a way to combine those two together? <sighs> All right. This right here is a sticky situation, fellas. Because let's start off by saying this. The Bears are 0-2. The Bears are 0 and 2. Again, that wait, I will say so. No, let me wait. Was that expected or was that unexpected? It was unexpected. Yeah, it was absolutely unexpected with the amount of draft picks and the offseason that they had and the way the media was portraying them and the picks that obviously the, the draft that they had, the quarterback that they have, the promise that he showed at the end of last season, um, the underrated defense and things of that nature. Aaron Rodgers leaving the, the division, leaving it wide open, and the Bears are 0-2. So they're clearly looking for answers, right? Now, the head coach, Matt – I'm not even going to say his last name. I'm sorry. Eber- Matt uh, – Eberflus. I'm sorry. Eberflus? Yeah. I'm sorry about that. But yeah, head coach Matt. <laughs> so he said – he says in a, in a press conference uh, that he – and the coaches are in the same agreement as far as wanting fields to play, quote unquote, with instincts, no brain strain, no internal conflicts, unquote. Uh, so I find it weird that after two weeks that this that 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 the comment was made by Justin Jefferson. I also find it more weird. Because I feel like the first comment, right, that, that Justin Jefferson made, you can, even though it got out to the media, you can probably fix this internally to an extent. Because at the end of the day, there's no internal conflict as far as coaching staff and quarterback. They are all in agreement. They all like each other to an extent. They all want to win. That is, that's not a conflict. The conflict here is the comments that Justin Fields has made as far as how he feels in the system of offense or whatever structure of offense that they're running. And yes, that can reflect on the coaches. Here's what makes it more weird. The second press conference that was held by Justin Fields. And I will say, I will say this. I, I am, I do agree with him as far as coming at the media. They did twist words up and put words in his mouth. And this, this second conference was for him to have to reclarify. He says, and I quote in the second conference, I'm not blaming anything on the media. I'm not blaming anything on the coaches. I'm not blaming anything on the, on the team. I don't care if it's a drop pass. I take the blame. Bl- put the blame on me. The ball could have been better. 
or maybe I have commit I could have made the better read, unquote. That's just half of the press uh, that he was given. Obviously, he gave more. It was more of him like coming at the media for misconstruing his words. But that second press conference actually worries me for him to have to <laughs> clarify that. Because at the end of the day, we're all reflecting the way, like you said, we took that first comment that he made as a shot at the coaches in that second interview for him to clarify. He's not blaming the coaches or anybody. Put it on me. I have to be better. I personally feel like that that was a, uh, what's the word, uh, a clarification with the asterisk. Yeah, a cover-up. There you go. I feel like they got to him, pulled him to the side. It wasn't a good look for the organization. And so he has that second press conference to clear some things up. But as far as him feel, feeling robotic, I honestly, I don't know. We've seen, we've seen this before as far as offensive controversy. With last year with Denver, Pat Nagy and Russell Wilson, a little bit more experience on both sides. But now this one, you have a younger quarterback, but still the same concept. I feel like I'm a, I'm in agreement with you guys. I, I'm not falling for the second press conference. I feel like it is the coaches. And if you're not allowing him to be him as far as that quarterback that can create plays with his legs, can create plays with his vision, if he hasn't seen it like you're – I feel like they're being more controlled on him and it's giving more, uh, I want to say Sam Darnold. Uh, and this is taking it back. Sam Darnold, high draft pick uh, with Carolina. There was a player that was on that team a while back that said hindsight, obviously, in the, in the interview that Sam Darnold probably was thrown into the fire and he didn't have the coaching that was more fitted to his style. I feel like, and, and we've seen what happened with him glorified backup and we never know what his potential could be. I feel like the same is with Justin Fields here. Um, I feel like he's feeling robotic. The coaches need to take note of that and maybe like give him a system of plays. Peyton Manning said that he had this earlier when he's with the Colts. They gave him a system of plays and he like he picked which ones was comfortable for him and which ones that he liked and they ran the offense around that. I feel like they're not they're not working well with the quarterback and like yeah like you guys said it might be more on the coaches here. And I do want to touch on the key point you said about paying many uh, in the system aspect. I think that's a great yeah. way. I think, yeah, that was awesome. I definitely didn't know that. A nice little knowledge drop right there. Uh, Greg, I want to swing it to you, man. Listen, the Bears 0-2 potentially could go 0-3 this Sunday. Are you hitting the panic button on Justin Fields and the Chicago Bears? Like, what, just, just give me your thoughts. And then what do you think about his post-game comments as well? Um, I, uh, I um, wanted to say that I hearken this experience um, with the experience of a young Trevor Lawrence in um, Jack with Jacksonville. Um, I'm trying to find my words here. I don't know why it's just complicated, but, um, I main point being is I personally don't know. I, we're, I think we need to go higher up when we're elevating blame to this, uh, Chicago bears organization. I think it should just go straight to the ownership, um, group because personally, wow. I think some of their movements make no sense to me in terms of how they've been able to um, kind of navigate like their philosophy in terms of putting together a staff um, to complement Justin Fields and his development. I don't know about y'all. Don't get me wrong. The, the, the Indianapolis Colts defense was good. But, like, I didn't necessarily think that it was so good that the defensive coordinator between 2018 to 2021 deserved to become the head coach of the Chicago Bears. And that, head, that defensive coordinator was Matt Eberflus. 
I, you know, like, um, I think the, 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 the Colts also benefited from the defense coordinator for that team also had benefited from having a really good solid group of players. Either they, they, they drafted there or that they were able to get through, um, trades, particularly, uh, DeForest Buckner. Um, but like, let's, uh, let's analyze the Chicago bears since 2018 onward in terms of like what they decided to do. I believe they hired Matt Nagy either in 2017 or 2018. You then get Mitchell Trubisky. You pass up on Deshaun Watson. You pass up on Patrick Mahomes. Crazy. Mitchell Mitchell (laughs) goes 12-4 and that season. I believe it's his his rookie season um, with one of the best Chicago Bears defensives um, in recent memory. Probably third behind that 2006 Chicago Bears defense and the 1985 Chicago Bears defense in terms of, like, you know, what they were able to do. You know, we see a regression from Mitchell Trubisky in years to follow. It becomes clear that Mitchell Trubisky is not a starting caliber quarterback in this league. We fire Matt Nagy, who, mind you, was hired as an offensive-minded coach after experience, like, after, you know, working with Alex Smith in the early years of uh, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. We, f- we fire Matt Nagy. Mind you, the defense was never the problem for real, as much and as badly as the offense was. We decide, the ownership group decides, hey, we need to get rid of Matt Nagy, who's an offensive-minded coach. Let's bring in Matt Eberflus, who's a defensive-minded coach, even though I would make the argument that the defense was the better side of the ball compared to the offense. So we bring in Matt Eberflus, who doesn't know a lick about offensive play calling. I don't know who the offense coordinator is, but let's just say the offense coordinator is an unproven talent. <laughs> um, so That's the, a very the, fair assessment. So we have a defensive-minded coach who realistically can't doesn't necessarily have the experience of play calling to help um, to help um, uh, Justin Fields, you know, as he's progressed. Not to mention the fact that I would make the argument that while we they've upgraded the receivers, they've they've taken away what they upgraded at the receiver position or what they perceive to upgrade at the pre- receiver position by yes, getting a bona fide stud in DJ Moore. But also getting um, Chase Claypool. Chase Claypool, and that and like, have you? Did you see the brother block opening week? Opening week. Notre Dame prospect. He was supposed to be better than what he was. He had a no good rookie year in Pittsburgh. Exactly, no effort. You so, mean ever since that rookie season where he put up eight touchdowns <laughs> and put up nine hundred and fifty plus yards? Hasn't been the same. Has not. We also got rid of, which I thought was a very underrated move. They also decided not to re-sign David Montgomery. And decided to put more emphasis on Khalil Herbert. And don't get me wrong, Khalil Herbert's cool, but David Montgomery to me was that guy. So now you 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 put more of the emphasis on Khalil Herbert with not a with no um the one-two punch of David Montgomery with Khalil Herbert coming in provided a nice boost. They weren't like the most the uh, the craziest, you know, run game in the league, but that in conjunction with um Justin Fields running talent provided a pretty potent offense in in the run game and now so you have less of a run game in terms of like who's at the running back position you have technically have more receivers in a new offense that they're i mean um that they're trying to get implemented implemented into the into the framework and then you also limit the amount of 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 times that justin fields has had the ability to to do designed runs. I believe they said since uh, the uh, over the past two weeks, there's only been four designed runs for Justin Fields to start off the year. The brother broke the the I think he broke the league record last year in rushing yards for a QB. Mike so, Vick records, I believe, for a, a, a thousand yards. Yes. So for so. Oh yeah, yeah. So you so you don't have any uh, established offensive talents, at least that we know to help him facilitate and help him grow in the offense. In terms of the play calling, it's more, it's more, I feel like they're just trying to see, can he pass the ball? 
and they're not necessarily playing to his strengths. I think with Jalen Hurts, Jalen Hurts is a perfect example of they play to his strengths early, and then they allow yeah. things to build on top of it. So you're not playing to his strengths. You don't have an established run game to help him make it a little bit easier. You got rid of talent. You, while you upgraded talent, I guess, in one particular wide receiver and then a mediocre other wide receiver, you got rid of the best talented running back player. And then we're looking at Justin Fields like, why aren't you getting better? Now, there are things that he could be doing to improve because I don't know how you throw an interception on me personally. I don't know how you throw an interception. on. A well, he said pass. it. He said it in an interview. I'll just be better. Uh, yeah, I don't know how you throw an interception on a screen pass. But um, I think, you know, there are things that he can show up, but I don't think that this the staff that they've put around him has enabled him to uh, to get better. And mind you, while Mitchell Trubisky in his early years benefited from a very solid defense, let's also assess the fact that no disrespect to Jordan Love, I hope he, he ends up turning out well. I didn't think Jordan Love first game would throw for 30, would put up 38 points on the Chicago Bears defense. And then the following week, we let, we let, uh, uh, oh my goodness, um, Baker Mayfield put up 27. So like, let's not act like this, let's not act like it's just one side of the ball. All phases of the, the Chicago Kendrick Bears. Kendrick know about Baker. Kendrick know about Baker. Yeah. <clears throat> end, of, end of soliloquy. <laughs> nah, listen. It's a bad look. He's right though, but since 2018, bro, he's not lying. I mean, shoot. It, it, so at this point, the question would be: Is not is Justin Fields on the hot seat? Is the coaching staff on the hot seat again? Yet again, because Shout what? what who's calling these players? Mind you, we hired Matt Eberflus off of the pedigree of his his defensive mind and what he was able to quote unquote do in Indianapolis, even though they had a very stout defense in terms of like skill players. And then the defense has regressed every single year that he's been there. So if you're not like we fired Matt Nagy because his play style was to be an offensive guru and the offense would didn't look the way we thought it would look. But then we keep Matt uh, Matt Eberflus when the defense has regressed every single year. I saw D- Dak Prescott and the and the Cowboys put up fifty four on them last year. <laughs> like what? And yet, and yet y'all let Deshaun decide go come to the Eagles. Thank you. Uh, and, and another key point when you when you really broke down the Chicago Bears, Grant. Shout out to you for doing that. I think that was yeah. really awesome. I think the viewers would definitely love listening to that part. Uh, the part where Mr. Bisky, he was so forgettable, I <laughs> forgot about him. So you, a was poor named, man's Kirk Cousins. It was like, yeah, that's crazy. That's an accurate description. I, I thought about the Chicago Bears trading Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson, and it's just, it was so funny to me because it brought. I'm gonna bring a basketball term. It reminded me when the Timberwolves drafted two point guards before Steph. Just crazy. Oh lord, just yeah. missing out on draft picks. So it's just Bro, like you I know. Don't, you could make crazy. the argument that Jay Cutler, in terms of passing statistics, is the most Uh-oh. successful Chicago Bears quarterback. And he yes, had he the worst O-line of all of them. And yes. you could make... Come on, you bro. Could, you saying you Jay, could. Jay Cutler, we moving on. Exactly. No, no, no. no, no, no. no not only no, that, but the, no. but the Chicago Bears quarterback has never passed for 4,000 yards in the league. That's and crazy. you decide to... Huh? Ever. Well, Shotown is not known for passing. You know, Walter Payton, the run game, David Montgomery, Matt Forte. It's always been known for running backs. But 4,000 yards is crazy, bro. I'm not even going to hold you. But <laughs> you. Well, man, listen, hopefully Justin Fields will turn around this week, this weekend, this Sunday. I believe he plays the Chiefs, I believe. So yeah, Chiefs, tough schedule man. for him out, man. Tough schedule. So, you know, man, hopefully he can avoid being 0-3, but. If, let's dive right into the next topic of the episode, man, and running backs. You know, uh, one I think a few episodes ago, we talked about the running back market, whether or not it was fair. Yeah, a, a good talk about that. Now we're talking about running backs. They're looking for their contract before, you know, they get hurt. Or running backs, they are getting hurt, and then they are looking for a contract extension. So it's been pretty rough right now. 
the past couple of years for running backs, man. So I want to swing it to Greg first. I want to touch it. I want you, Greg, to touch on the topic. You know, just what's your thoughts on running backs chasing contracts? Uh, I just I just knew if there wasn't a resolution by the start of the year, the arguments in terms of the running back side was just going to get worse, not better. Um, I think that, like, since the start of the year, we got uh, Austin Eckler, who's looking for a new contract. He's already hurt. We got Saquon Barkley, who's looking for a new contract. He's already hurt. We got um, – I know that um, Nick Chubb already got, like, a two-year extension. Right. He did, but he's lost, and he might be – there's a chance he might be – he may not be the same player, you know, after that gruesome injury. Um, so we have some of the top talent in the league that either were – that just got new deals or um, – or, or, or were searching for new deals already hurt the start of the year. So I think that, again, I, and I think I made this point the last time we had this conversation, nothing's going really going to change until the new collective bargaining agreement comes into place, which isn't until 2030. And in my personal opinion, I think running backs should make the argument that they should have. I saw this. I saw this. Somebody else make this argument. I'm blanking off the top of my head, but I thought it was a really good idea. They should make the argument that running backs should have the ability to be draft eligible earlier than any other um, than any other position based off that's of fair because that's fair. no no how is it no like bro bro y- y- like typically I think eligibility has to be like you have to be a junior I no, feel like I feel, I, I feel like running back should have the ability to come out of the draft after their freshman year. Bro, you're you're telling me you're telling me you want a 19 year old to go into the NFL, for sure. You're crazy. You're oh, crazy. so oh, crazier than just giving They're them getting... one contract and then and then trying to and then trying to cheat them for a second one. There was because, a case because typically typically when a typically when a running back gets to the point where they are looking for their second contract, they're either 26, 27, or 28. You know, and now people have already overworked them. And now they're trying to be like, ah, like, we don't want to give you that second contract. You give them two years earlier, it gives them the opportunity to get that second contract. Or bro, that two years early, they might not make it to that extra contract because of how, bro, the NFL hits different, literally hits different than college, bro. People, especially if you, look, 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 I'll give you an example. Look at what Trevor Lawrence said to Anthony Richardson after his their first game together. He said, listen, you got to protect yourself because these NFL Hits are much different than these college hits. And you see now Anthony Richardson, concussion protocol. It's not the same, hit. You know what I'm saying? And then you're going to put a 19 year old out there being a running back and he's supposed to go in between the tackles and meet these linebackers and safeties? No, bro. The, the well, you know what, Kendrick? I'm not going to lie. To be able to build up. I to mean, be able to I build mean, up so, their so, strength. So the only, the only, because at the end of the day, it's going to be come down to the owners wanting to make that commitment, and you. I'm going to find it. It's going to be hard pressed. You're going to be hard pressed besides either either changing the salary cap structure to make a special exception for running backs. But mind you, if you make a salary cap structure adjustment for running backs for them to get paid, then other positions, other positions are going to get to the point where because it's bro, this salary cap structure what? is really in place. To make some make someone feel like make someone feel like out of out of bounds in terms someone's gonna get the short end of the stick at the end of the day. No, not every position is gonna get paid. Now it's the running back's turn. But before it used to be safety. Before it used to be corner. Right. You feel what I'm saying? Right. So it's like so it's like the the structure is not gonna change. And realistically, we've already seen a formula in which you pay the defense. You pay your quarterback, you pay wide receivers, and it may lead to overwhelming success. You look at the Eagles, you look at the Chiefs, okay. the, the Chiefs run winning. game. Huh? You said Eagles, run game. Run game. Oh, you, you said no, no, no. Run That's game okay. through the quarterback and through the offensive line. You saw how they just pat they just patched they bro. Um Miles Sanders rushed for thirteen hundred yards. He's not on the team no more. Like, what are you talking about? Like- because, because, because Howie, Rose, Howie, Howie Rosen himself does not ever give big contracts to running backs. He does. He'll give big contracts. He'll, he'll give running backs that have received big contracts. But I'm saying Howie, you're using the Eagles. Howie Rosen will give big contracts to a quarterback or his D lineman, first and foremost. Because okay. he's a very, he's a very, deep, he's a, he, he wants a, he wants a strong front four. 
So he'll do that. He'll my give brother. his contract, his big, his big contracts to D linemen and QBs first before anything else. My go. brother, it's a copycat league. So if the Eagles are finding success doing that, what would make other own people be like, oh, I want to pay the running back now? Like everyone. Well, because I mean, you have the Browns, you have you have the Titans. Um, you say the, the Browns were doing Nick it Trump at one signed point. a two-year, twelve million dollar contract. Like, what? Like, what are we talking about? It's nothing expensive. How much is guaranteed? How much is guaranteed? Because that's that again. It's not even. It's not. The, it doesn't matter. Honestly, look, looking at how NFL contracts are structured today and what they're actually looking for, they don't really care about that end goal number, bro. I'm gonna keep it above with you. They don't care about. Oh, they signed for five years, 150 million dollars. Okay, but it's like, how much of that is guaranteed? How much of that money am I going to see? Even if I, even if I don't even see it. You're telling me, okay, boom, I get this contract, and you're telling me I get $100 million out of that $150. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with that. That's $100 million that's guaranteed to you versus unguaranteed money that they're like, eh, you know, but I got the guaranteed money, and that's what, that's what a lot of people look for in contracts nowadays. So I got it. Go, go, go ahead, go ahead, Johnny. Go ahead. Bro. No, I, I, I just want to say one, just one quick point. I got to agree with Kendrick. Most likely on the point with 19-year-olds coming into the league, they do hit different, but I do have to say – like, to your point, Greg, even with the contract situation, like, dog, like, it's, like you said, if it's going to be, if it's going to be one position, it's going to be another, right? Somebody's going to have to take the loss. Bro, TJ Hawkinson just signed a crazy contract, and now tight ends want their just due. Now they want to pay upgrade. So it's never going to stop. Like, this wheel that you're discussing with running backs is going to be ongoing until every position feels like they're getting paid their just due. And then that's going to change. And then it's going to revolt. It's going to restart again. Yes. That's how I feel about that. I mean, and at the end of the day, you know, Jerry Jones is one of the biggest advocates for a salary cap. And realistically, it's a wheel that once the salary cap was implemented, it's just a wheel that keeps turning. Someone's going to get a short end of the stick and it's going to be the running back until the year 2030 when the collective bargaining gets the chance to be readjusted. But at the end of the day, the only way that changes is if running backs equate to team success the way that they it used to. And realistically, in a pass-happy offense, pass-happy offenses that have been taken over the league as of late, I don't necessarily see a return to the run to ground and pound as much as there was before in the foreseeable future. So the I think the, you're go ahead, bro. My fault, my fault. I really still feel like you're undervaluing the run game because okay, if I'm you're not undervaluing the run game. I'm just saying it's as it's more it's more um extendable expendable now. Miles 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 Sanders rushed for 1,300 yards. Oh, he wants a new contract. Yeah, we don't gotta pay him. We just gonna bring in DeAndre Swift. We are gonna get Rashad Penny. We are gonna go with uh, Kenneth Gainwell. And then when they get fed up and they want a new contract, as long as our O line is making moves, we could just plug and play. It's plug and play work. But not every team follows that method or ideology of their running game now. So you can say it's a copycat league, but you can't. But there's other teams out here who have who have uh, bell cows running the ball, and that's what they do. So it's just like I don't know. It's just give me the play. Give me give me the teams and say Derrick Henry. Tell me that Derrick Henry. Tell me that Nick Chubb and Derrick Henry are the exceptions, not the standard. What do you mean that they are both? Because that is the like you're talking. We're talking about bell cows, and we're talking about teams that because Derrick Henry, Derrick Henry is like the epitome of health. That foot injury was the first time, and he's rushed for over a thousand yards in what, like five, six straight seasons. Like Derrick Henry is literally the epi- the epitome of consistency. Whereas most on running backs throughout the league endure an insane amount of injuries over the past over the past number of years i literally just named three of the top running backs in the league are done already it's week two that's that's well, like a that's 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 a whole nother situation i see your point but that's due to lack of i'm not going to get into lack of reps in preseason i'm not going to read in a segment on that already but i see your point Listen, you're saying that, but okay, say again, but these they aren't out for the year. The only people, the only running backs who are out for the year are J.K. Dobbins and now Nick Chubb. Let's do also, let's do the list as a, of as no, no notable. Let let's do it. Notable running backs. What is it? Like four? J.K., Austin Eckler, Chubb, and Bart. That's like yeah. 
called him Bark. That's like four. Saquon, Nick, JK, Austin Eck. It's week That's two. That's it. It's week two. I mean, all right, it's week two, but it's week two and, and it's a lot of things. It's a lot of things to it's a lot of things to co- to come into effect with that. Like though these let looking at the injuries, how they happen, sprained ankles, Nick Chubb, possibly two surgeries on one knee, a surgery after they get the, the meniscus ter- uh fixed. He might have another surgery. Saquon, ankle, JK, torn ACL, problems he had before. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, JK. Yeah, yeah, JK. Austin Eckler. Bro, these are like, not. I'm not going to say non-contact injuries, but these are injuries that are just like things you can't control. Derrick Henry's not hurt, but he's the Derek, exception, right? Derrick Henry got hurt last year and missed an, exceptional amount, an extended amount of games. Did he not? He had a foot injury last year. Like, I, like I understand what you're telling me, but I'm telling the, you that I'm just yeah, okay. Go ahead, go ahead. I was just gonna say that I think that people are looking at rating the running back market as people that these these typically typically running backs typically get hurt at a higher rate in a higher clip compared to other positions, and we and we haven't necessarily seen in uh, in, a, in a in a direct relationship between paying our running backs. In team success, and I'm and I'm responding to that as you signed up for this. It's the nature you signed up. At the end of the day, they take the most punishment. Linemen and running backs take the most punishment, rep to rep, uh, play to play. Like it, it's it's signed up like that. Now at the end of the day, y'all want to get more paid. Y'all want to get paid more for taking more damage. That's why we have an NFLPA. All right, and speaking of the NFLPA, they are being freaking sued by the league for uh, what is that? For the the league to file grievance against them. Uh, NFLPA, the NFL Players Association, J.C. Treader, the owner or whatever who's in, whoever's in charge, J.C. Treader, he suggested to the point to your point, Greg, running backs are getting hurt to the point where he's he's calling out conspiracy. He suggested that running backs are faking injuries to get more negotiation and contract talks. That's how bad it's gotten. Now, at the end of the day, like I said, it's only four running backs, but the names of them are so big that it's creating controversy such as this. And now we're going to court next week because of what was said last week. It's, it's get, now it's getting political. And I hate when, 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 a, when a sport that we love so much that we analyze and we just have a, love, we have a heart for gets political. I hate that. It should be about competition and competition only. But yet and still, money's involved. Now, here we are. Now, my thing is, I see what you're saying, Greg. I see what the league is saying. I see what the running backs are saying. I understand that. It's a wheel, right? It's like we said, tight ends are starting to complain as well now. So after the running backs get, after this situation with the running running backs, contracts are getting solved, it's going to go to the next position. And it's going to be revolving door but at where as far as where we are now um this is the position that you signed up for you are you you take damage you're built to take damage that's what you're that's what we pay you for that's the stigma that's the pay rate of your position right now until further notice now i understand that you guys deserve need to get paid more but as far as saquon chubb jk austin eckler like it's it, don't forget, it happens. I, forget, I forgot about the, the the running back from um the running back from uh uh the Colts. The oh, uh, Jonathan not, not Jonathan. Did he walked away, right? He's all right. No, but he walked he's away. on IR. Or he got hurt. For an, he's on it, IR for they, they didn't take no. They they didn't they didn't they they did not take him off the public. That's why he was forced to go onto IR. Okay, and, and I feel like that. Yeah, but he had right there, right there, going into training camp that he hasn't been able that he hasn't been. That he hasn't. Uh, that's the reason why he was on the physically unable to perform list. Okay. Well, he coming. Well, he, he, he also wanted a contract too. It was had, a little. It was that, and also wanted contract. But he, he had off-season ankle surgery and came into the to training camp unable to practice. But he got clear. Searching for a new contract. He got. Cl- he got clear. He got clear. Because he, he got clear. Look at, look at my past work. Look at my past work, and you'll see why I want my contract. You see why I want my money. I was the offense of this team. Give me my money that I am owed. Oh, so now we're feeding into the conspiracy. 
No, bro. It's it. It go back to what we're not. Stop it, Greg. No, Kendrick is no Kendrick. No, no. He's Kendrick is saying what I'm. Bro, it's what you signed up for. Now at the end of the day, give me my money. It's what I owed. I I bust everybody for y'all. Like yards, yada yada. Stay healthy, durable, consistency. But at the end of the day, like you said, Greg. You're expendable. We're not feeding into the conspiracy, but it's the nature of the business. Like I said, it's what you signed up for until further notice. You have a problem, go to your NFL PA owner who's who had who just got served <laughs> most recently for the comments that he made. Because at the end of the day, but but I, I do feel like all jokes aside, I do feel like this is gonna be a small step to a bigger turn for running backs of that position. I do feel like after a while, the market will open up for running backs. I do feel like that. I do feel like that because of this and what's starting to transpire and what we're talking about. Everybody's talking about it. We're taking notice. Running backs are not getting paid their just dues. Now they're getting hurt, conspiracies, controversy. I feel like at the end of the day, the running backs are or the, the market's going to open up a little bit more for that position because let's keep it real. At the end of the day, what do you need to win championships? Defense and running game. Exactly. Now, at the end of the day, Howie Roseman wow. recipe can be repeated. Can, but the yeah, would, no. I feel like I, I feel like running backs get adjusted. I mean, the the reigning defending Super Bowl champions. You could make the argument that well, Pacheco's Pacheco got a hamstring. More to the conspiracy. But Pacheco has a hamstring. Mm-hmm. That's a pass-heavy offense. Their number one running back, hamstring. Is that yeah, what? Girl, conspiracy? Was he really hurt? Or do running backs need to get paid more? But, I, but I'm saying that, like, we, we saw the, the Chiefs win a Super Bowl with a seventh-round running back. And as they're starting as they're starting, does, where, did, where, where does him getting drafted at matter? If he can play, he can play, and he can perform. It don't matter, bro. That – Okay, you but fell saying, in the draft. But, but, but was, the running, was, the running, was the running game really the biggest difference in the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl? It added a factor. It's a factor in there. Everything's a factor. It's a team sport. I said, was it one of the main factors? No. I mean, in controlling the game. If you want to be technical, kind of, that scramble for 19 yards really hurt us. That's a run. Okay, bro. And I'm not. <laughs> Okay, okay, bro. So I'm just no, saying, no. but I'm timely just, okay, runs. Okay, so, Do timely runs so, count? So. Uh, I'm saying timely runs do count, bro. And you, like, I feel like the narrative is kind of like I want everybody to get paid. Every these brothers put their bodies on the line. Everybody wants to get paid. I'm just, I'm more so since everyone is so pro paying everybody. I'm just trying to shed light on what the structure is currently. What the, the the system you can that, shed light on it. That don't mean I have to agree or be okay I'm with not the structure. You he agree. makes a point the, though. The, the point of the restricted girls own podcast is not for us to hold hands and sing kumbaya while we all <laughs> we are going to right. never think we are <laughs> exactly. So we're going to disagree. I'm still going to drop this. What I I'm still going to drop the alternative perspective because we going we not going to sit here and act like. Because I don't know when I become if I when we all become owners of NFL football franchises, you mean we're gonna have to do all these similar, we're gonna have to navigate all these similar things. And I'm just telling you that the structure in place with a salary cap and not necessarily wanting to having the ability to pay everybody puts you in circumstances like these. And while it's easy to take the other position, the owner, the the owner, it's a lot harder to. While everybody wants more money, it's a lot harder to get and make sure everybody gets paid. All my point. That's fine. I'm not okay. I'm not saying that I'm against that point. I'm against the point of not paying who you, who your, who your, who your workhorses are. Who who provide? Who's your offense? Who's the heart of your offense? I'm against not paying those people when you're being like, oh, I don't have to. No, you're going to have to pay the person who makes your offense run, who makes your offense click. Like, okay, you can talk about the tight end market. Yes, the tight end market. Travis Kelsey's underpaid. Travis Kelsey is a tight end. But he he also can arguably look at it and be like, hey, man, if I move the receiver, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at me as a top 10 receiver. I got to be honest with you. Like, come on, bro. Like, you got to be for real. Like, I'm, I'm a running back, and I'm putting up 1,000 yards as soon as I come into the league. Bro, come on. Respect me. You're going you're gonna to include me in my offense. You're going to include me in the offense. You know what I'm saying? It's people who are 
people who people who run the offense, people who they build offense around, deserve the money. I'm not saying you can get people if you are not the vital point. Why are you asking for a large contract? It's a pecking order. So running backs need a thousand yards. O line blocks for it, so we got to pay these guys first. So it's a pecking order, and watch. I think it's going to trickle down to the running backs, then to the tight, like you said, to the tight ends. Like I, it's it's going to be a wheel. Like I, I I definitely feel like I I definitely feel that way, but I definitely do agree. I gotta agree with Kendrick, but yeah, bro, it's 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 what you signed up for, man. It's what you signed up for until that until uh, yeah, your position I, I, becomes more expensive. Then yeah, they're gonna keep doing what they're doing. Yeah, I signed the I signed up to move the ball forward and score touchdowns. That's what I signed up for. I signed to get positive yards and score touchdowns. Doesn't doesn't any doesn't every offensive player sign up to do that? Like I'm confused. Good point. And to end it, because we're on this topic a lot, to, I'm just gonna end it with this. That's really funny because good point because it, it depends how good you do it and how well you do it. Now that goes by position to position. Even the Baltimore Ravens, Justin Tucker just signed the highest contract for like kickers. I think, like, last year, if not the year before that. Like, different position, but same concept. Like, if you're good, pay me what I'm worth. So I understand. Right. But it's also a longevity. It's also longevity. And we may, we know that running backs have the shortest longevity in uh, out of mostly all of the different positions where you could be the elite of the elite. The lifespan of being the most elite running back differs from the lifespan of being the most one of the most elite quarterbacks. The lifespan of being the most elite tight end, Travis Kelsey is showing you is di- is longer than being the 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 most elite running back. Ladanian Tomlinson was probably one of the most one of the most elite running backs in NFL history. We could make the argument that that lifespan was about four years of him being at his peak, and then by the time it was 2000, he won the NFL MVP in 2006. By 2009, he was on the New York Jets looking like a shell of himself. So I don't necessarily – I'm not disagreeing with you, but when you're dealing with a, a position that hasn't necessarily equated to overall team success, A, and B, hasn't necessarily equated to having the longest uh, longevity in terms of other positional groups, I don't know what you want from me when you're 27 – asking for a new contract and wanting to be the highest paid in the league. I'm going to take into consideration the defensive tackle at 27 wanting to be highest paid more so than the running back at 27 wanting to be highest paid. Because I know by in three years, how much what with the value that you're providing right now will you not you be- know you can offer three year contracts right you can offer two year contract extensions right you know you can do those yes. things okay and but you're hold on but we're banking on the fact that you're, 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 but you're gonna bank on your but you're banking on the fact we're saying I'm saying by three years, by thirty, we that is even when the most elite of the elite running backs typically tend to decline. The average lifespan of a running huh? Two year deal. Like you're saying at thirty, okay, if he's twenty seven, I'll give you a two year extension. That two year extension with this much guaranteed money, boom, go do your job again. Oh, like you're acting like so at 27, I'm going to give you a two-year deal <laughs> and bank on the fact that you're going to be able to maintain your performance, even though, even though. Doesn't everybody have to do that when they get a contract extension? We're banking on you continuing to perform well. Like they're yeah. banking on Joe Barrow to perform well. We're banking on Jalen Hurts to perform well. Right. But at 27, we're going to, hold on, hold on, hold on. Do not do this. Because at 27, Joe Burrow and Jalen Hurts, right? Them at 27 versus versus uh uh who's 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 the most elite of the uh Derrick um, Henry at 27. We're how how likely hold on, hold on how likely is it that Joe Burrow makes it to still be elite at 27 at 30 versus versus oh I don't know Derrick Henry. That's because uh, I haven't seen a statistic where as a running back gets older, they're less injury prone. So we're banking mm. on the running back that I just paid not being injury prone, whereas I've seen quarterbacks be 27, get to 30, act not as injury prone. And once the running back gets hurt, they're not the same player anymore. I just want to say, I just want to say Chris Johnson robbed the league. 
I think he was the most. I think he was the running back that got paid the most money at at one time, and I think they learned their lesson from him. Todd Gurley, <laughs> Ezekiel, Todd Gurley, Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott come to mind. Yeah, Cowboys. He got ninety seven M's. I remember I was looking at his. <laughs> well, game. Cowboys always overpay. I remember I was looking at his statistical uh, performance. Was it was it was just it was down. It was down every single and year. And when it came down to big time games, man, Cowboys man. Booty, booty. <laughs> All right, but that's All right. enough for the running backs, man. That was a real intense uh, debate, man. Love it. My money. Love it. But man, we gotta dive in. <laughs> the last topic of the episode, and I feel like it's another heated debate coming in because, man, Greg has a lot to get off his chest, man. He made a prediction back in episode 125 toward the end of the episode. If you guys stuck around for that one, it was a bet. And, uh, man, Deshaun Watson. It's only week two. I'm going into week three. Oh, <laughs> Name drop from the rip. <laughs> oh, you're right. You're right. He, he still has a chance to go uh, for over 200 yards. We saw it. Hey, Greg. Greg, get <laughs> no, out of here, yo. Don't do that. 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 He said, no, no. 200 yards in two weeks. 200 yards in two weeks. 100 and 100. Okay. Weird. That is weird. Uh, God. Ryan Tannehill as the starting quarterback. All right, take it easy. All right, all right. Like to save. All right. He open. He, it's not his fault that he can't get the ball because he open. What you want him to do? What are you talking about? I, I'm also saying, I also mentioned the young brother Traylon Burks was coming into form and he led the he led the team in receiving yards last week. But we're not gonna talk I mean, about. When it. you got DeAndre Hopkins on the other side, I feel like you got to pay him. Hop don't want to win, bro. Now this. Hop don't want to win. Before it was three fifty in four weeks. Now it's when you have DeAndre Hopkins on the other oh, side. Oh, we oh. did make that bet. I remember that. I, we said Hopkins bro, I'm, get. I'm doubling down on both statements. What do you? Oh mean? yeah, I was here for that. I was on that segment. I was yes, here for you that. Were, bro. It was just Johnny and Kendrick. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doubling down on both statements. Oh my God! Oh, hey Kendrick, we in trouble. Oh, my God. Listen, listen. We got to win. Week five, I'm in trouble. Week five, I'm in trouble. Hopefully, y'all <laughs> play the Houston Texans both weeks. Oh, my God. Listen, listen. We got to bring it back, though. We got to bring it back to week two. Week two concluded. Week three, by the time this episode recorded, is a few days away. But we got to talk about some of the games that happened in week two. Like, what was, and, you know, and I was, this is what I want to talk to you guys for the last topic of the episode. What was something like? What were some of the teams, in your opinion, respectively, or individual players that, you know, definitely shined out in the week, too? I mean, whether it was, like, the matchups. I mean, we could talk about the Steelers and Cleveland and the Eagles and Vikings and pretty much, you know. And, yeah, so we could talk about, you know, Giants coming back and Daniel Jones looking like the number six quarterback, the number six pick in the draft, the final <laughs> minutes. So we could definitely talk about that. I mean, I'm going to to Kendrick first. So, Kendrick, go ahead. And then we'll go to Johnny and Trick your face. Listen, 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 listen. All I got to <laughs> say is this. Why was it that it took the Giants six quarters to score points? That's ridiculous. I'm just saying you, we can talk about it. Daniel Jones has to come back, but it's the Cardinals. We're not really giving respect to the Cardinals, and that's still, <laughs> I'm still looking at Daniel Jones a little iffy. Uh, he has not shown to me. I, I really have high hopes for the Giants. Respectfully, I do. But he just – I just I just want to see Daniel, Daniel Jones, Jones. prosper. It's it, it, it's hard for me to it's hard for me to believe in the Giants when you still got Daniel Jones as your quarterback. I want them to succeed, but I don't know if they can do it with Daniel Jones. They had they had to make it work because it'd be honestly Listen. ridiculous to not make it work, giving them that contract, realizing that this guy was never worth that contract. Now you got to scourge out for a quarterback in the draft. Now you got a guy making that type of money sitting on the bench. That's pretty ridiculous. They got to make it work. Well, I'm not saying I'm not saying for sitting on the bench, but I'm just saying they got he he has to be better. Um, I yeah, I really I don't know what it is. Deshaun Watson, I don't know if it's him or if it's some traffic cones as O-linemen. What are they doing? I don't know. They're not doing nothing for him to be able to show off his strengths, and it's getting ridiculous. Um, the Bengals looking like peewee football because I don't know what <laughs> offense. I mean, yes, they won. They lost 27 to 24, but I mean, come on, Joe. Come on, Bengals. Y'all are not looking the best right now. They y'all got tore my morning, tickets bro. up. My parlays are ruined, Joe Burrow. So I will just say that there is a lot of issues in quarterback play around the league, and hopefully they can all figure it out. 
That's fair. That's fair. Okay. Greg, swing it to you, man, before I swing it to Johnny to end it off. Go ahead, Greg. Uh, my highlight player in terms of, like, who's performing well and, like, who I'm really impressed by, I'm not going to lie to y'all. Now, I mentioned this team earlier. Uh, it's going to be the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but in particular, Mike Evans has been balling. The the brother had 171 yards receiving last week in a touchdown. Yes. On the he averages a thousand yards of receiving. What? What? Why is that a shock? No, 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 no. <laughs> Let's not do that because he had Jameis Winston. Let's not do that because he had Jameis Winston uh, and Tom Brady throwing their football. He got Baker Mayfield throwing their football. If you don't go ahead, if you listen, stop, whoa, 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 well, Baker's definitely. You expect hold on, hold on, kid. You expected two and zero as well. I didn't expect to know, but I do oh, expect Mike Evans to hoop all the time. Huh? But we I didn't and expect to win. And, we, and we've seen Baker Mayfield show the ability to get playmakers of football, a la, a la um, Odell Beckham Jr., a la Jarvis Landry. Yeah, Jarvis. Come here, Kendrick. Come here, Kendrick. Whoa, 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 I'm I'm supposed to believe that Mike Evans will come into the year and still get the ball? No. <laughs> so when I see him go for 171 on six touches, yeah, Kendrick, I'm, I'm surprised. Kendrick, come here. Mm. Greg okay. is talking. Mm. Mm. Nothing else to say. Got you. Greg, finish it off before he swings to Johnny. That's all I'm saying. I'm saying he he told me, he says, oh, Mike Evans gets 1,000 yards a year. Not necessarily, not realizing that Baker Mayfield is the one throwing him the football. And he never gets his quarter, he never gets his wide receivers the football. So I'm not supposed to be shocked that that through two games, um, uh, Mike Evans has 12 receptions. For 237 yards and two touchdowns? For a 2 and no Buccaneers team? Yeah. <laughs> listen, Johnny, listen. You talk. Let's talk about week two. What were some of the matchups that you thought was really impressive and entertaining, whether it be your team or just players and individuals? Go ahead and bring it out or land it off. I got players that resulted into team wins. Uh, all righty. So. AC, my first guy yeah. is our guy from last year. Gino. Come on, man. He's still doing it, see? Remember a segment that we had last season? Our, our true fans know. Our day ones, y'all know a segment that me and Colin had last season. Gino Smith started this wave with the Seahawks since he took over the starting spot for Russell Wilson. And me and Colin, we said, you know what? We like what Geno's doing over there in Seattle. The podcast didn't agree with us, but at the end of the day, you saw the season they had last year. Very capable. Did more than y'all thought. How about week two, ladies and gentlemen? Ladies and gentlemen, how about week two? Geno Smith. All right. Now I got a stat for you. Greg, you wanna you wanna agree? With, you wanna put some respect on Gino's name real fast before I get into this? No, stat? no, no. I, I, I'm, I'm Team Gino. He was on my fantasy team last year. Shut up. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh Gino my God. Absolutely. Team. Absolutely. We're gonna find the ones that was against us. We're gonna find y'all. But in the meantime, here goes stat for you guys. I got. Yeah. So this past Sunday was Gino Smith's 20th start. His literally his 20th his 20th start as a Seahawk. Uh, Russell Wilson threw 20 starts. 11 for 19, 99% passer rating, and 4,339 yards, 35 touchdowns, nine picks. Excellent throughout, what, 20 starts? That's a very impressive first start, 20, start, 20 starts. Geno Smith's first 20 starts as, you know, Seattle Seahawks quarterback. Uh, completion rate, 700 compared to Russell Wilson's 649. Completion rate, 700. 10 for 10, 101 QB passer rated, 4,722 yards, 33 touchdowns, 11 picks. A little bit more picks, a little bit under touchdowns. Quarterback ratings, way better. Completion percentage, way better. 
Now, you guys can make the argument that, oh, Russell Wilson got drafted. He was a young Russell Wilson throughout his first 20 starts compared to a Geno Smith who's decorated seven years in the league throughout his first 20 starts. I get that could be a good argument. But at the end of the day, how many times was Geno Smith written off? How better was Russell Wilson at that year and point throughout his first 20 starts than Geno was as just quarterback to quarterback? So the strides that Geno took, like he said last year, they wrote me off. I ain't right back. Well, ladies and gentlemen, he still continues to do that. Took Seattle to uh, overtime win against a yeah a tough, tough Lions opponent at home. Like they, they was projected to lose like that. I like I like Geno. He still continues to move. My next player. Why have we not talked about B. John Robinson? Is it because he's a rookie? Why have he's we not mentioned B. John? Robinson, he's a hooper hooper, a baller hooper. I got a stat for you guys. Throughout two weeks, 255 total yards, 11 missed tackles through uh, 39 carries. 124 yards last week, 19 carries, six missed tackles, forcing it, 84 yards after the catch, 48 receptive yards. This guy does everything. Swiss Army knife, Christian McCaffrey, watch out. B. John Robinson is looking like a U 2.0. All right, shout out to him. And last but not least, I'm just piggybacking what, what Greg said. We had a segment before this about Baker Mayfield. I had talked about Baker Mayfield throughout week one. I said Baker can bake. And I talked about this throughout last season when he's with Carolina, got traded throughout the middle of the year, spent like two nights in a hotel in Los Angeles, went to practice, put a helmet on, and threw the winning touchdown that following Sunday. This cat wins football games. This cat's a baller. Let me give you a quick stat. Throughout, throughout his first five years, this is why you thought – this is why you might have thought he was bad. Throughout his first five years, he's with Cleveland. 61% passer rating. He was set 79 times throughout his first 26 snaps with that team. Like, it's the quarterback graveyard for a reason. Cleveland has always been called that. Deshaun Watson might be bringing it back to life, but – yeah, when Bake was there, it was a QB graveyard. But listen, at the end, of, Bake, Bake just had bad moments, all right? Bake just had bad moments, bad teams, bad coaches, bad coordinators. Now he's in a position where he can thrive. Look what he's doing. Look what he's doing. Next-gen stats, 14 for 17, 223 yards, and a touchdown. And that's while being pressured. That's with pressure in his face. He's doing sidearm throws. He's throwing... In, in between arms, completing passes. Like, are you kidding me? No quarterback has had that type of completion percentage under pressure in the last four years. Put some respect on Bake's name. I understand Mike Evans. I understand that Tampa defense. But put some respect on Baker's name. Those are my players. I, I personally think that short, short QBs really benefit from tall wide receivers. A la, like, you don't say. So, like. So like so, so when I look at when I look at Baker Mayfield for me it's it's been similar a style of play to watching Johnny Manziel with Mike Evans at Texas A&M because we forget that they used to play together and yeah. I, I I see that level of the the level of security that Mike Evans per, can provide a shorter wide receiver a shorter QB like Baker Mayfield and it's something that realistically as we assess other players that Baker has played with over the years. Yes, he's had a no-doubt Beckham. He's had a Jarvis Landry. But nobody with the stature of a Mike Evans. And I think that's why he performed well. Baker is definitely playing well. I mean, he's definitely out Baker Watson. can bake. I had him down for 3,500 yards. We had a segment, me, Jonah, and Kendrick. I said Baker Mayfield. I wanted to say 32, 38, 3,000. But I settled down for 3,500 yards. I'm still sticking with it. He's got Mike Edwards, Chris Godwin. Still stays healthy. Who knows? I got big down for it, man. Let's get it. Okay. Anything else before we end up the episode, guys? Anything else you want to add? Any additional comments? Nothing like that. Sean Watson, Jake, Greg, nothing. Watch when the Buccaneers don't make the playoffs because of Baker Mayfield. Oh, my. So, yeah, at the end of the day, listen, at the end of the day, I had him down for a 9-10 win team. And the Eagles do have them Monday night football. Go birds at the end of the day. I'm not trying to put my foot in my mouth. We do gotta respect Bake, but at the end of the day, go birds. I ain't worried about that. Okay. Okay. All right. All right. So with that being said, we end up. I'm not putting this. no money on Baker Mayfield ever. Day of my life. Oh God. Listen. 
leave it at the lecture. What? In the NFC South? Ah, whatever. I got the Saints. I got the Saints. All right. Listen, with, with that being said, we end off this episode of 131 of the Restricted Zone Podcast. This was a great episode. The base was just phenomenal. I was thoroughly entertained. Hopefully the viewers are thoroughly entertained as well while they listen and watch the video. You can follow us on all platforms, social media, Instagram, TikTok, at the Restricted Zone Pod, with two Ps at the end and two Ds at the end. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel, leave a like and comment, please. It does help get us in the algorithm, so just leave a like or share it out with your friends. We definitely appreciate it. We're on all streaming platforms, Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, uh, Outcast, you know, CastBox, on all of it. Just go up there, type this up, Google search this, and, you know, all our episodes, the previous episodes are on there. So with that being said, thanks a lot. Please stay tuned for more episodes. We appreciate you guys. Thanks for the support. Thanks a lot, Kendrick, Greg, and Johnny. Love you guys. Stay tuned.